Hi everybody, welcome to season two of the Frill Podcast. Hi everyone. What's new, as always, as I've said in the past few episodes now, is that we're recording our postcard episodes and they'll be available on our For Real YouTube channel, For Real TV, yep. but everything will be in the description below anyway. Here next to me is Sifu Goensu. He is the master founder of Jingmo Academy, but also my father. Hi, Dad. That's me. Hi. My name is Jung Su. I'm a senior instructor at the Jingmo Academy, and this is part of what I do. So on the podcast, we talk about what we experience whilst practicing and teaching Kung Fu and Tai Chi and how it benefits our lives and the three parts that make us whole, mm. mind, body, and spirit. Mm. How can you contribute to the podcast? Like I say, if you have any questions or wonderings whilst you're listening, you can send them to our email address, forreal at jingmo.com.au, mm. F-U-R-E-E-L at G-I-N-G-M-O.com.au, and we'd be happy to answer and talk about your topic. Okay, mm-hmm. let's get straight into it. Cool. So, first segment is answering questions and wonderings from you guys, which is what I just said. And this one's from our Jingmoa Tarrant. I think mm-hmm. it's quite a good question. Yeah. So, he says, in your journey of Jingmo and Tai Chi, what were the best points along that journey that resonate with, uh, that you resonate with? And is there any point of that journey that you would like to revisit with a different experience or view? And is there any places do you want to be or look look to be in at the later in your journey? That, mm. The English wasn't good in that. In that uh, is that you that or Tarrant? That was Tarrant. <laughs> I copy and pasted it. But you get the idea, yeah? So what was the best parts of your journey so far that resonate with you? Uh, are there any points in the journey that you'd like to revisit with a new experience and view? Yeah. And are there any points in the future that we want to go to or experience in our yeah. journey okay i think that i should have just like summed that. it up you oh, should have damn <laughs> anyway uh, good question tarrant yeah thanks tarrant um you, you want to go you, first well no you go first me yeah all right well when i was uh copy and pasting receiving this question i think one thing that popped into my head was Daching sun mm. my recent travels and a, a memory on facebook today popped up three years ago when I was living there for three months training mm. the Tai Chi, the mm. Chen style practical method. And there was a photo of me at the Wudang competition. Um, oh, right. Cool. I don't know if you saw that on Facebook, I but did. so that, you know, that prompted that memory. Mm. And I think in that with a different experience of view, I'd like to go back again or do the same thing. But obviously I can't, I didn't know what I knew now to go back and relive it. Yeah. So I can only do it in this, but you know what you know what I mean. Yeah. So um, <laughs> no I one reckon, else, no one else would, but I do. Yes. But I reckon if you know, I travel back in time, knowing what I know now, mm. I'd go back to that experience and just have a different view of what you know of what it was and how it can be, and you know, kind of live a double life. Mm. Um, that resonates with me because Tarrant, um, I spent three months in China living on a mountain without my p- parents, um, with little internet, with uh, cold showers, with hard beds, <laughs> with lots of aching muscles, lots of internal talk of, I can't do this. Oh, yes, you can. No, no I can't. I'm too tired. No, I want to go home. Like mm. all that stuff um, made the experience. Mm. And I think that resonates with me because I fell on, I fell on. Half found, half felt. That was the word I was looking for. for <laughs> felt, um, felt some courage and found some courage in myself to be okay without yeah. anyone that I know there. It yeah. was, it pretty much was just me mm. and the instructors that I knew, but no one 
you know, out of my immediate circle, no friends, no family. It was just me. And I guess that's where my vlogs kind of started because mm. it was a way for me to connect back home, yep. talk to the camera, edit mm. it, and then upload it and then see if anyone's watched it and then they know, you guys know what I'm up to and stuff like that. Uh, but it was super fun. Mm. And the Wudang photo on Facebook that I shared today, a memory of three years ago, I um, there was a competition there at Wudang yep. Mountain, Wudang Shan, yep. which is at the mountain there. Tai Chi competition, uh, forms, weapons, push hands, all the stuff that you find in a martial arts competition. Mm. And I got asked if I wanted to go and I know I spoke to you whilst I was there chatting on WeChat and stuff, like should I go and making that decision. Um, and Chen Shu supported me and, and so did Master Chen. And yeah, I signed up. Cool. I signed up for the Yilu, I signed up for push hands. Yep. And it was it was intense and it was scary and it was awesome all at the same time. Mm. Um, the bit that I remember is we had to wake up really early, like 3 a.m. sort of early mm -hmm. to get on a coach. Uh, sorry, like a small van, really. It was, you know, the small, not the big coach with 40 seats, but one underneath it's yep. kind of like 10-ish 10, 10 seats, 13-ish yep. seats. Um, but there were like 20 people on board. Mm -hmm. So I was like cramped up for this this bus ride to Wudangshan. That's quite normal for Dashing Sun, Yes, right? yes. <laughs> so take more people in than seats. Cramped up next to like a really big six-foot Chinese dude. So I was like <laughs> cramped to the window and, and him. Who was that? Who was the big six-foot? It wasn't, nah, wasn't from Dashing Sun? Nah, it wasn't from ah. Dashing Sun. Just someone heading to the competition as well. Right, okay. Um, And that was like an eight-hour bus trip or something like that. It was crazy. Um, just waking up really early, not knowing where I am, getting on this foreign road and just made it there. Um, and then we made it there in the evening by that time. And then we went straight into weigh-ins. And luckily, I hadn't eaten all day because we were on the bus. So I weighed in pretty light. Um, and then like competition and stuff started. So I can go on heaps about it. But mm. I think to answer the question, the Dashing Sun experience would... Mm relive or revisit in a different way mm. yeah how about you me there's a few actually um the first one which i actually have very little recollection because i was so terrified i um let's see i was eight is that right yes i was eight years old it was um early 1970s we did a demo for the very first time the um the chinese acrobats came to australia they did their first world tour yeah i think I, that's what i was told and um we did line dancing and kung fu demos before their performance um on behalf of the chinese club of queensland and i remember doing sandboards in and i've got a little a little trophy somewhere in all my stuff that actually has the date so if i can find that trophy that'd be awesome because then mm. i could be more accurate with the dates but <clears throat> i i just remember this i have this blur um at brisbane town hall which is kind of like performing at perth town hall except i think brisbane town hall is much bigger um and there was like five thousand people there or something and uh two levels you know like bottom floor 
and then there's a mezzanine floor audience watching. And I just don't remember it. Like, I just remember being terrified going out there and there's a blur of me doing samples in when I hope I actually did the correct drill. Like, I, we didn't even record it because back in those days it was really expensive to to have film recorders and stuff like that. Mm. And we weren't very wealthy, so we didn't have any of that stuff. And and um, so, yeah, there's no, there's no actual memory that uh, there, there's no photo, there's no film taken of it, so I don't know. I just have a memory and have a cup. So it'd be cool if I could go back and revisit that and uh, knowing today what it's like, how to process yeah. emotions, extreme emotions, that'd have been really cool because then I actually would <laughs> remember. Um, so that's the first one. The second one for me was also a competition and very similar in in that um, I think I was 14. It was the first all styles, full contact martial arts fighting competition held in Melbourne and it was hosted by William Chung and uh, uh, today known as Grandmaster William Chung and we went from Brisbane down to Melbourne twice. The first time was for the like the warm up stuff and uh, official sort of ceremonial business, and then we went back to Brisbane. And then I think a week or two later, went down for the the knockout rounds. You know, it's kind of like World Cup. You've got to win that round to get to the next round, yep. etc. And for me, that was a very intense time. And I was, once again, I was absolutely terrified. I was 14, little, a little 14-year-old as well. I mean, like, we're not big humans. Um. <laughs> no, thanks to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's genetics, man. It's not my, my doing. Um, and I was fighting this big 16-year-old boy who was tall and lanky and he could hit me and I couldn't touch him because he's got longer arms and longer legs and stuff. And... I would like to revisit that because um, I think I was just so scared that I was angry. So I was fighting over the top of being scared but not admitting that I was scared and letting it show up as being I was aggro. So that was an interesting in, interesting situation. Um, and I think, yeah, I'll... They're the two for me personally. To and revisit? To revisit. Or would you redo? Would I redo? Or just revisit? No, just revisit. I don't know that I'd redo it. I, I, I've no, um, no, n- n- there's not a part of me that feels like I could have done better. It's not actually going back to change the outcome. Yeah. It's just going back with different eyes. Yes. You know, big, <laughs> big wide open eyes and see it from a different perspective. So that that would be cool. And then the other one was when you broke half a roof tile when you were little. Okay. Because that I see in photos because we actually filmed it. I wonder whether we have any video somewhere because that That'd would be, cool. be really cool to see you get up there again uh, being so serious. You were, you were like just – you had your second birthday in um, June and then this event was the August Moon Festival and it was either in August or September. So, you know – you're only two years plus a couple of months old. Yeah. 
and you were so serious. You had your little kung fu uniform on. I uh, did your belts up for you, or your mum did your belts up for you, and uh, you didn't talk. You didn't say anything. <laughs> I was introducing you. You walk out. You do a salute. Then you just break the tile, and then come into a kumna. Then you salute and then you walk off. It's like there was. It was so serious. <laughs> didn't. It wasn't. Uh, it just. Uh, it was serious. I don't remember. So. You don't remember either. No. Oh. Not that day. Right. But you, you've seen the photo. I've seen the photo. Yeah. And I feel like I'm imagining the it because I know of the Kenwick. Yeah. Location. Yeah. And I can imagine the walls and the smell and everything. But I don't think I actually imagine, remember that moment. Uh, yeah. Cool. <coughs> yeah, so anyway, there was that. Uh, that's pretty much it from a Kung Fu Tai Chi perspective. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on then? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, as you guys know, the next section is the Sifu Topics, where I take excerpts from class with Sifu Talking, and we dive deeper into it and give some more explanation and maybe another another view on it uh-huh. sort of thing. Cool. So I'll play the, play the video, and you can check it out. When I'm listening to everyone, I think of words, and the first word I hear of, I, I think of, is effect, being at the effect. And... The second word, the opposite. Does anyone know what the opposite to being at the effect would be? Being at cause. Yeah. So cause and effect. So they're the two words that come to mind for me. And the, I'm not going to talk about the problem with or the negative side of all of that. I'm just going to kind of rise above it a little bit and have a look at it from a bird's eye view. This is me talking. From my perspective, I practice martial arts to maintain my safety. I don't like hurting people. Therefore, I can't, I can't justify learning a martial art to say that if I'm defending myself, I have every right to harm another. I don't have a right to harm another regardless of what's going on. More so, with the ability that I have, I have less right to do that because I am trained in a way that can cause great harm to another human being. So for me, my practice is actually about being, uh, being, oh, I can't even say certain. I'm just human. So being human means that I am faulty. Okay, so I, um, I called this video, I am faulty, <laughs> from your last words. Okay. So we were in class. Yeah. Um, Shane asked a question about some fighting stuff mm-hmm. usages or something like that and this is your, your one of your responses I just took a snippet out of it mm. do you want to explain expand expand explain, explain. Um, yeah explain slash expand okay very good you're starting new words yeah um, yes yeah, so in in that instance what we were talking about was the the context of self-defense mm and for me, what's very clear is that I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. And whilst I remember that I'm not perfect and that 
I have the capacity to get it wrong, then what what that does for me that it helps me separate from my ego that says I am already right. Yep. And therefore, uh, what I see is, and and for me, when I was a young man, in my twenties and thirties, um, I was very opinionated. Like, I was very um, certain, and I wouldn't bend. Like, if I saw something and I said that's black, black is black. That is it. Uh, there's there's no other alternative. No shade of black. Which I now know that was actually because I was covering up for all the fear that was going on in me. And that that was my coping mechanism. So, I I get it wrong. I do. I get it wrong all the time. It being life in general. And the difference for me between walking around being paranoid of making a mistake because I'll get it wrong because I'm faulty and being real and present like the possibility is I could have it wrong here actually means that I hear others so if I can hear others then we're communicating so from a self-defense perspective there's no right and wrong. There is my experience and my opinion and there's someone else's experience and someone else's opinion. And finding that middle ground where it's okay for us to have a different opinion and leaving it at that. Being able to acknowledge another person's differing opinion without losing my own. Now, I know that's called discernment. And, I, you know, I didn't know what discernment was until I was well into my 30s. It was really quite weird because right up until that point, I couldn't even talk to someone who had a religious belief. I would only feel safe talking to people who had no religious belief. And part of me, what I discovered was, part of me was worried that if I heard someone else's religious belief, I might actually lose myself in the process. That's what it felt like. So the fear, and, and basically it goes back to my childhood experience of not being allowed to be me, that I had to be a version of me that someone else agrees with. So uh, it was a whole lot of fear, a lack of safety. And I believe that it, most of the time in, in the general, in, in sort of the general population, that's the root of most disagreements and fights people mm. get into a fight because they don't know how to allow another to be different so what are you looking at you know um who do you support um you know what what politics do you reckon is right who did you vote for you know and all of these very sensitive subjects it's no no wonder that we in our culture we try to avoid talking politics and uh, religion and, and so on because it's so hard for us as humans to allow another person to have a differing opinion uh, and therefore it creates conflict. Yep. So for me, the practice and the study of martial arts is actually about understanding ourselves better. So from my perspective, it's about understanding me better 
and noticing what spaces get triggered in me when I hear something or when I see something or, or you know, when I experience something. And if I can notice that like a third person, then it's more possible for me not to make it an attack on me, a personal attack. So the, f- the opposite to that is then I become more empathetic and more compassionate to other people's whatever's going on out there. Uh, and, and in the end, it's like what we shared this morning in our morning class, that when we're able to do that, then what we end up creating is a community of people who support each other they don't have to believe in each other. They don't have to agree with each other. But we support each other rather than a community of people who are preparing to defend ourselves against each other. And that's really a different view. We're still practicing the same martial art, but practicing it um, in, a, in, in that way of accepting my flaws, being able to stay present to what triggers me, enables me then to step into compassion and empathy which therefore means I don't lose myself mm. and we have a supportive <clears throat> environment rather than an antagonistic environment yep. where everyone's on edge and never going never doing any more than scratching the surface right because the fear is if we if we suddenly discover that we disagree on politics or we have different it's over, it's over yeah. you know that type of thing so that that's what I was kind of getting at, and yeah. I know Shane was on that night was asking me in particular about um, his his current experience at the academy versus what he experienced previously as a young man learning martial arts, and how when he was a young man learning martial arts, his experience was that he was told how to respond. So if mm. someone punches you with a right straight, this is what you do. Yep. If they come at you with a left cross, this is what you do. If they push you in the chest with two hands, this is what you do. And he was wondering, well, why don't we do that? Yep. He, uh, and he was quite frustrated by it, and rightfully so, because he was trying to attach his current experience to something that was familiar in the past. Yeah. Uh, and that's how we kind of got into that situation, because... For me, self-defense is not a move. It's not a technique. It's yeah. not a. It's not a, a one plus one equals two. It's actually the responsibility we take when we engage with another human being. My stand is that none of us have a right to harm another. So how do we defend ourselves without harming another? That's the challenge. How do I keep myself safe? That's the challenge without punching their lights out. Because yeah. that's really easy. That's actually really easy to do. Yeah. And we used to teach it like that. We used to say it. Well, that's that. what we spoke about in the last podcast. Yeah, exactly. So um, for me, that's like I shared this morning in class. Uh, for me, my, thir- my first three or so decades of studying Kung Fu and Tai Chi, I had this constant conflict going on inside of me, which was how do I agree with this? striking a person down with this intent when I actually don't agree with hurting another. And I just had to stick with it to try to work it out. Like I stayed with the process. I didn't leave it because it would have been easier to leave. But then I still would have no answer. Mm. So if I I disagree with it, and this is maybe something that uh, our listeners um, might connect with, 
like I can disagree and walk away and say, look, I don't like this martial art. I'm going to walk away. Well, that still doesn't solve the problem. How do I maintain my own safety yep. without harming another? Yep. And there was something about our arts that we practice that I really connected with. So I wasn't walking away from it. But I had to work it out for myself because my original teacher couldn't work it out for himself. So it was left up to me to do that Okay, for me. So that's from my recollection. That's what we were talking about in class. Yep. You were there. Is is that I accurate? Was, yeah, I was recording it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was, um, from my point of view, when you were speaking about, it, I thought of the Karate Kid. Oh yeah, the new one, or any other martial art traditional, yeah. trying to be traditional martial art movie where there's a bully, yeah. and then there's the bullied, bullied person, the victim, the victim. Yep, yeah, and they go seek some, um, some way to be defend themselves or or smashing back yeah but they find Mr. Miyagi or they find Jackie Chan which is the new one yeah and they teach him everyday skills that they have to do lots of repetitive times until they get frustrated and that's the point in the movie where you know say show me um, show me wax 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 on wax on they go so I've learned all this skill just through my you know every day having to do this one action even though it's not what you think it is like punch kick punch kick punch kick and that's why the kid's frustrated um but for me what resonates is that it's not like you said it's not when your partner or your opponent throws a left jab you do this back it's actually through the understanding of yourself and i've come from a different view where i haven't ever started jingmo as a way to hurt or defend myself i started in a way or continue as a way to heal myself or better myself because I was sick. And my point of view has always been really introverted. I don't know. It's in looking inside. Yeah, yeah. that'll do. Yeah, looking yep. inside. So, um, I mean, the, the the fights that we face every day, which mm. you've mentioned before, it's not the physical fights, actually. It's actually the challenges and triggers that emails might give us or ones with our brothers and sisters or our partners, you know, things that we just fight about verbally and mm. that's the conflict. Mm. And how do we kind of resolve that without punching, kicking, understanding ourselves, understand mind, what we're thinking, understand what we're feeling emotionally and perhaps a daily practice will help us process that in terms of our body feeling it through sort of thing Mm. it's a work in progress isn't it yeah that's what Mm. I'm kind of getting at it's a Mm. work in progress I mean those movies end in two hours hour and a half but you kind of get the gist of the Mm. the idea of the um, message Mm. but then there's the movie stuff behind it too Mm. Mm. cool alright well next section Mm -hmm. next section we are looking at brainpickings.org, and this is supplied by Ali, who um, sent this through and thought it might be a good idea to talk about, and I see it to relate to our kind of practice or daily practice in different mindsets and mm. stuff like that. So they're quotes. It says, 13 life life learnings from 13 years of brain pickings. That's cool. Okay. So the first one, if I read it for character character, let me put on my glasses. All right, so it says, allow yourself the uncomfortable luxury of changing your mind. 
cultivate that capacity for negative capability. We live in a culture where one of the greatest social disgraces is not having an opinion. So we often form our opinions based on superficial impressions or the borrowed ideas of others without investing the time and thought that cultivating true conviction necessitates. We then go around um, asserting these don't opinions and clinging to them as anchors to our to our own reality it's enormously disorientating to, to simply say i don't know but it's infinitely more rewarding to understand than to be right even if it means changing your mind about a topic and i an ideology or above all yourself all right so what do you think about that well i really connect with that because just as uh, by chance I didn't even know that that was the quote I spoke just a moment ago about being a young man well a teenager through to being a young adult having fear of talking to people who had a religious belief uh, because I didn't have one and I thought that there was um, some, I guess something missing that I didn't have a religious belief uh, and then therefore, if I spoke to someone who had one, it meant that I would lose myself and suddenly adopt theirs. And therefore, I kept very close and I couldn't allow uh, other opinions to enter. Um, so I had no discernment. I had no ability to discern anything. It was right or wrong. It was either told or not told, and that was it. Um, so... I had I, I I agree with the statement allow yourself the uncomfortable luxury of changing your mind. I agree with that. What I also experience though is that requires an enormous amount of self-belief and courage. Mm. So to be able to be okay with getting it wrong letting everyone know that you've got it wrong or you have no idea requires, uh, an, for me, an enormous amount of safety. I've got to be okay with myself to be not like everyone else. That's the thing. Yep. And um, it, that's something that I didn't get until quite late in life. Um, and I think it started when you got sick. It started at that point. But it didn't really get clear for me um, until maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, about 10 years ago, uh, before uh, your Isabella was born. Um, and, you know, I, I wonder whether I jinxed myself because I'd grown up with the statement that um, the belief, my parents' belief was that a, a person hasn't matured until they're 40. Really? Yeah, that's what they said. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but they said man, because so, they were talking to me. I was uh, only son for my mum. Uh, so it was about then that I kind of worked out that it was okay, that I was okay not to be everything. Prior to that, I had to be everything. I had to have an opinion about everything. I had to know about everything. And if you're talking to me about something I didn't know, I wouldn't engage. And I know people... Still today, um, that still are uh, working with that space 
and I actually find just watching, sort of observing how I must have been so isolated because I watch others who also operate in this paradigm and what I make it mean when I'm watching them is that they're actually really alone. So I must have been really alone. So mm. I think about it from that perspective that when I didn't feel safe, I was totally alone. So it makes perfect sense to me that if we like why would we want to keep feeling the uncomfortable feeling of being unsafe? None of us would. So it makes perfect sense that we would then just agree with others to feel like we're part of that community and therefore there's safety in numbers, you know, as the saying goes. And and therefore I I would just agree with stuff just like this statement is made um, without having any research into it I just agree with it because then I become part of that other cultural group yeah you know um, so my my only statement to that and for those of those of us who are going to read this uh, that Ali shared is um, I invite us all to consider the amount of courage it takes when we feel unsafe so for me it's actually a matter of discovering that safety first yeah that it's okay to just agree for the sake of agreeing because that is how you stay safe at that moment but then go out and seek that safety like find out how you can unravel all of those mysteries within one oneself mm. so that uh it's okay to be you and and um you know if we don't grow up in an environment where that's supported it makes perfect sense that uh, we would feel unsafe being ourselves. So they're not wrong. What I'm saying is if you're experiencing, experiencing this for yourself, please don't make yourself wrong because you are doing your best and, and that's it. And the fact that you're investigating other options right now means that you are stepping away from an old pattern and that takes courage. So... You know, give yourself a pat in the back for that because that that awareness itself takes an enormous amount of courage. And then once you have that awareness, then it's just putting one foot in front of the other and eventually you'll find a new path. Mm. Yep. Do you see it relating to any of our practices? Well, for me, one of the key elements is having a practice. Um because that's for me it's a process space the the practice itself is like a container like i've described before and when we are when i am troubled when i feel like there's something that has triggered me i know my practice is quite different to when i'm not troubled mm. i still practice regardless um, but there's definitely a, a difference and i find myself almost like meditating my way through that difficult that challenging thought or that I have to make a decision or I feel like I have to respond to somebody's challenge or whatever it happens to be um, working that out for myself and I've had quite a few of those instances in the last 89 weeks where my practice really stood out like wow 
waking up at three in the morning because I couldn't sleep thinking about this horrible news that I was just made aware of and wondering how the hell am I going to deal with that? Like what am I going to do? How am I going to deal with that? And just noticing how my practice is quite different uh, and not making myself wrong for thinking it through whilst I'm practicing because that practice itself is is like that rhythmic meditative repetition helps me align myself so uh, I see that if if any of our listeners out there don't have a practice then take one up find one that makes sense um, if they like to join us they're very welcome to come and join us in the mm. practices that we offer but if they're, they're physically not able to I mean the internet is is uh, is available and we do have free resources and and so on that they're very welcome to borrow to try out to see if it works from mm. and then most importantly keep cultivating that in their own home in their own time uh, in their own city that they live in, uh, cultivate that daily practice. Yep. Mm. Cool. Really good. Yeah. Next one. Next How about one. I I ask you this one? All right. Expect anything worthwhile to take a long time. Now, this yeah. is probably right down your alley because you're the generation where you don't know what it's like not to have the internet. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well... You've always had yes mobile no. phones. Yes and no. Yeah. Yeah. But people your age will probably relate to this one. And younger. Yes. And younger. Yeah. yeah. This is borrowed from the wise and wonderful Debbie Millman, for it's hard to better capture something so fundamental yet so impatiently overlooked in our culture of immediacy. The myth of an overnight success is just that, a myth, as well as a reminder that our present definition of success needs serious returning, retuning. As I've reflected elsewhere, the flower doesn't go far, it doesn't go from bud to blossom in one sprightly burst, and yet, as a culture, we're disinterested in the tedium of the blossoming. As in tedious, tedium. Yes, yes. I didn't realize that's how you spell it. Mm. But that's where all the real magic unfolds in the making of one's character and destiny. So, what do you make of that? Jeez. Um, well, I just think of practice, really. Yeah. So, um, it's in the practice. It's for me right now. It's every day, and the the skills and the feelings and the ability that I want to achieve, it can't happen. I know it can't happen overnight, but it doesn't make it any easier that I know that it can't happen overnight. Yeah. Um, and it, I like that analogy of the bud to blossom. Because it, you know, you can't think and say and then do a little bit of something, of the practice, and then boom, you have it. That's it. That's all yep. you need to do. It's a consistent blossoming of skill and practice. Like like practice makes perfect, but it doesn't make perfect. It just keeps the process going. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and everything, uh, everything that's worthwhile takes a long time we all know that Mm. but the hard thing is like you said you know like i've grown up with the internet everything's at our fingertips and you're talking about yesterday how you're going through your internet data so quickly and i'm like yeah well everything's takes internet Mm. 
and everything does and you know we can google anything and get that answer or find out the definition or find out where that is where that restaurant is straight away um and then you you know you find yourself in a martial arts academy where there is no timeline really it's a journey mm. and you have to sit with the uncomfortable positions and the feelings and the needs and wants of not wanting to practice this week because i'm just too tired but you know that consistency is the key well, i know consistency is the key and just that overall process is quite hard mm. to sit with that i think to sit with the uncomfortableness from the last quote the uncomfortable luxury of changing your mind mm. um but i like it at the same time i like that i can't achieve it straight away um yeah, I just keep practicing. It's almost like it's a value thing, isn't it? If it comes quickly, it doesn't have the same value as if it takes time. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and that I think that feeling comes in when, like, you know, we buy something online and you press click, money's gone, but you don't get it till two, two weeks to three weeks delivery. And you're wanting, you're waiting, and your mind, you've developed this idea of this is going to be so great once I get this... You know, my feet are going to be so comfy, these new shoes. <laughs> you know, you develop that and then you get them. Are you saying that because I just got <laughs> new shoes? <laughs> but then you get them, right? Or you get the bag or whatever it may be. And then a week into it, it's, you have it. It's kind of old news. And then that's it because you spend all that time. Well, I'll tell you next week whether it's old news because these shoes are so comfy. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like it. Cool. What do you think about that in your practice? Oh, definitely. I uh, I think it's very hard. I, I also fall in the same category of expecting things to happen quickly. Yeah. So, you know, you send an email. I send an email and I wonder why is it they haven't replied? Oh, yeah. Hang on. Yeah. People don't sit at their computer or on their smartphone waiting for emails to come in. But it's it's like there's this expectation and it's the same when I receive something. So, oh, I should reply now. Oh, hang on. Why should I do that? Well, because they might be waiting. Oh, hang on. What am I setting up here? Yeah. So I have to keep myself in check as well around the immediacy of things. And I, uh, it's really odd, actually, for me, because I have a long-term vision around my practice so it's my lifetime. I have no rush to practice it all quickly, but I have a commitment to practicing it daily and to the best of my ability. It's really odd. So there's this, seems like there's this two different dimensions. Mm. But then when I look at the academy and the various businesses that we have, and I think, why doesn't it happen faster? Like, why aren't we more, in inverted commas, successful? Um, why haven't we met that target? Like, why is it that these ads that we've posted up on Facebook aren't returning like we, sh- we expect them to? And, uh, and so it's, it's really quite a dilemma mm. because there's parts of me that are very long-term and then there are parts of me that are very, very instant. I want instant results. Um, 
so kind of it's kind of like navigating these two different parts is quite challenging. Yep. Another thing popped in my mind is yeah. one thing um, we do, you guys, Jing Mo, is know we do Toi Sao Jong. Oh, yeah. And it's a hard, hard on the body Jong, hard yeah. on the mind because the pain kicks in and all that stuff. But the, um, because we're practicing, we want to get good at our skill, but the hard bit is that it hurts and you and we want to stop because my muscles hurt. I can't stand it here any longer. But I I I enjoy when I get past my wall and what I discover in myself yeah. in those moments. And when I'm teaching, I like to encourage that to for everyone to get past that wall of, you know, the first two minutes is your best your best time. Yeah. And then past when it hits three minutes, for example, it's like oh, is it? Can we move on yet? Can we change hands? Can we do the next thing? It's mm that mindset of can we move on because this hurts because this is uncomfortable I don't want to stand here anymore mm. but actually in those moments is where something really good happens where the magic happens yeah um, and that's another example uh, I yeah. see yeah isn't it yeah very true alright well uh, last sort of section and then we'll finish up the podcast okay. with some quotes that we can laugh about Hopefully, I don't know if it's going to be, but I did some research and these are just some common things I found about learning martial arts. So in terms of Kung Fu and Tai Chi, perhaps for us, but um, these are some topics that come up. So it says, learning martial arts, you get overcoming your fears. While many of us have specific phobias, one of the universal truths of fear and and human is that we are more afraid of the actual feeling of fear than anything else. Martial arts puts you in a uh, chaotic situation where you are likely to feel some fear or doubt at first. Learning to handle control your emotions in these moments is the first step to conquering all fears. You can begin to feel... Uh, you begin. You can begin to feel, digest and understand these waves of emotions as they come over you. Later on, you will feel it when doing another activity, like jumping off a tall diving board, but your martial arts training will have trained you to understand and control that fear. Mm. I don't know. What, what I, 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 I fear heights. <laughs> <laughs> um, I fear no, heights no, no. and deep water. Yep. So if I can't see the bottom, I got a problem. Okay. And if I'm up on something tall and I can see over the edge, I got a problem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like even if I'm inside a building with glass walls, All right. I look over, put my head on the, my forehead on the glass wall like a hotel or something. It's like whoa! I can actually feel things moving inside my body. You know, one of my phobias <laughs> is that? looking up in the sky. Oh, really? Yeah. At night, huh? When it it like it might be quiet and it's dark, see this in the stars, and when I look up. And just stare straight up. It freaks me out because it's like it's an infinite distance, oh, kind of yeah. like water. It, yeah. But it's like I don't know. Ever since I was a kid, that's something I've noticed. When I look straight up, it kind of freaks me out. Really? Yeah. Wow. But anyway, wow. back to this quote. <laughs> it's just things I learn about my own son. Um, apart from the, the the jumping off high building thing. No, I don't jump off high buildings. I mean, into you know what I mean. Your fear of jumping. Yeah. No, I don't <laughs> jump. I don't board. jump. I just looking. Look, just looking. Yeah. Um, the first part of the uh, this, the uh, paragraph. Then. Yeah. I think that is really true. Yeah. Um, in that, I, I think I, I just kind of said that in the Toso Jong. Yeah. Um, thing. 
that we do actually f- fear fear. Yeah, the and feeling of fear. The feeling of fear, which mm. is the uncomfortable, mm. doesn't feel nice in the body feeling. Um, but I think not all martial arts. What do you mean? I think not all martial arts can um, help us in that way. Some are just about fighting out there. Yeah, true. Yeah, I I I think that it's probably more the interpretation of the one who's sharing it. Yeah, exactly. Rather than the art itself, because we yeah. we it's very broad things. when you say yeah, that's art. right. I I think it's it's more um, a person's interpretation of that particular martial art. Mm. Well, this works for me in that when I do the training um, years, days, every day, and then we go into competition or I go into competition. And, you know, the nervousness and the um, the freaking myself out, watching others practice on the side and it's like, am I good enough? All yeah. that all that triggers, all those triggers, then I have to really kind of zone into myself, look inside and acknowledge that and then go, no, I'm here for, like, turn my mindset around, do my best, go yeah. out there. Whatever score I get is what I get, but give it my best and not give my power away in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think controlling the emotions in that way is quite beneficial. Yep. And you digest them. What do you think about Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, uh, but coming back to the very first quote we spoke of before, mm-hmm. um, the safety. Well, it wasn't a quote where really. it was talking about being okay, being ourselves. Uh, Uncomfortable luxury of changing your mind. Yeah, I, I have. Yeah, exactly. I have. Uh, there's no part of me that wants to change the fact that I don't like deep water or tall buildings. Yes, uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, I think it's for me. It's just a matter of knowing that that's what I'm like. That's that's there's I'm complex. Sometimes I'm complicated, but mostly I'm complex. Okay. <laughs> All right. We've spoken about the difference between the two words, haven't we? Complicated for me is when something jams up. It doesn't work. But complex is like the human body. We're very complex, but we just we just exist. We, you know, we function. So most of the time I like to be complex and the times I make things complicated is uh, when, you know, when I get stuck on stuff. But... Getting back to it, I don't have a problem with, with uh, I don't need to fix that. Like what I'm saying is, I don't need to fix the fact that I don't like deep water or I don't like tall uh, heights. Um, so therefore, I wouldn't practice. I wouldn't use my practice to try to sort that out because that's just the way I am. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I don't think they're saying that. I'm just. Oh. I think that was just an example of oh. when you do something outside of martial arts that it can that your training can help you in other places in your life. True. That's what I get from that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, another one is called being disciplined. So this is what you learn doing a martial art. Um, I Shall I read it so that you can respond to it? I'm going to respond to it anyway, but just want to put out there that I think discipline is one of those words that get kind of thrown out there. Like, I want to be disciplined or... When parents come and say, I want my child to learn discipline. Um, but I think it kind of defines it really well. In mm. this year. You okay, can read it cool. now. But 
I think it really works in my, my mind. All right. We don't naturally seek out discipline. The ability to do what needs to be done, even when you don't want to do it, is a real skill and something most of us will never truly master. A structured martial arts lesson will plan, uh, lesson plan will slowly develop your skills over time. This requires a great deal of patience as well as the need to keep showing up day after day. As you progress, you begin to see the fruits of these efforts. Eventually, you will make wake up one day to see that this weekly training grind has made you into a more confident, capable and healthy individual. From then, you will understand the necessity of putting the required work into something and doing it right. So, this is defining discipline. Mm. Um, yeah. How about you can... What do you think of that? Well, I think discipline, I agree with you, discipline is often used in incorrect context. Yeah. That it is a negative thing. It's punishment. So often discipline yeah. is punishment. And then it's kind of like what we said the other day. is like, why Why is it that we say to uh, children when they get something wrong, they do 10 push-ups? Why would you punish them with something that's good for them? Because then they just don't want to do push-ups when mm. they're young adults. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's the same thing with discipline that you know, when it's used as punishment, it's kind of reinforcing that the uncomfortable feeling of pain is something we want to avoid. Yeah. Because it's associated with being bad. Yeah. Yep. Well, I see um, the first bit um, of the paragraph sentence thing. Yeah. I see, like the daily practice project groups, that. When we uh, the six days at least so that consistent posting, when the guys the girls post their form or post their yulu whatever it may be, day after day, even though it's maybe they've they've shared they've had some tough days as well, um, but during that daily practice, and they use the word grind there. Yeah, doing what needs to be done. Um, doing when you don't want to do it. And having that structure around your day, I can see in others that their, if we talk about just skill, their body has changed. Yeah. Yeah, we can see it, literally yeah, see it on can, camera. Yeah, we can see it. But also when they come into here, it's like yeah. when we do, you know, the exercises, like, oh, wow, that you've done it differently in a good way. Like yeah. your body is changing and it's just that, that discipline, isn't it? Well, that Just becomes discipline. That yeah. becomes discipline, yeah, mm. exactly. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I find it's easier to put your mind at it when it's something that you are passionate about or that you like rather than a negative thing, like you said. It's like do 10 push-ups. Because you got the wrong answer yeah. or because you were talking. Or yeah, mm. and then it's like, oh, well, well. And then you go outside and it's like, let's do push-ups. Nah. <laughs> no. <laughs> nah. It's really traumatizing. Yeah, because it's... Um, putting in the wrong mindset yeah okay so we're going to end the podcast episode with some quotes from not from bruce lee not not all not all of them from bruce lee this time cool but let's just give That's it a good. crack <laughs> we, we had a real theme going on yeah all right so here we go it's not whether you can get knocked down it's not whether you get knocked down it's whether you get up inspired quote by vince lombardi Who's Vince Lombardi? Do no you know? idea. No. I thought I'd just put him in there. Sounds like he's a boxer. Could be. Sounds like something from Rocky. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. Oh. Okay. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think we, I think we, as a society, um, place too much emphasis on winning, and not not a balanced approach to uh, resilience. So coming back is, you know, like we like to see it on the in the movies. Yeah. The underdog yep. comes back. Yeah. But then there's it's the it's the he's got to win again. Yes. So we kind of repeat the same cycle. It's it's. Um, really focusing on not getting knocked down that makes a difference rather than getting back up it's okay to get knocked down yeah yeah because we culturally we don't say it it's not okay well it's it's the uncomfortable feeling isn't it yeah 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 no i get it all right that was a quick one next one yeah okay if you are working on something that you really care about you don't have to be pushed the vision pulls you Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. I put that in there because I wow. saw it. I was like, oh, I was going to put that in the fucking. Oh, fire. wow. Let's do that again. If you're working <laughs> on something that really that you really care about, you don't have to be pushed. The vision pulls you. What does that sound like, guys? <laughs> hey? What does that sound like? Maybe Steve Jobs did Tai Chi too. Maybe. Um, for those that don't know, there's a Tai Chi. Um, Idiom. Idiom. What is it, Subi? Dad? Turn every push into a pull. And how does that work? Uh, well, exactly that. It's yes. like the analogy is if we <coughs> are pushing a wheelbarrow through soft sand, yes, it gets jammed and it's really hard work. You go to the front of the wheelbarrow in the soft sand and just pull it and we get through. Yeah. So turning every push into a pull as an analogy uh, is like powering through the grind. So it's, it empowers us. But from a Tai Chi, a, an actual Tai Chi application perspective, it's about indirect power. And that's the difference between external and internal martial arts. Mm. External martial arts, the power is direct. Internal martial arts, the power is indirect, meaning comes from somewhere else. Mm. And that's the turn every push into a pull. Mm. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. That did that. Got on him. Apple pulled him through. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was just the iPod. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Right, this one is quite good as well. So it says, never forget that at the most, the teacher can give you 15% of the art. The rest you have to get yourself through practice and hard work. I can show you the path, but I cannot walk it for you. Master Tan So Tin. Wow, who is Master Tan So Tin? No idea. Be good to research this a bit further too. I should, yes. Cool. Uh, but just wonder whether he's still alive. Yeah, but how's that? That's pretty... Pretty true and traditional sense, isn't yeah. it? It's like we can share with you all our knowledge, but it's only a little percentage of what true. can be can be done. That's right. Well, and, and in my own personal experience, uh, this is week 89 for me. And what I've discovered in these last 89 weeks, I know I would not have discovered if I hadn't started. Yeah. And it's not that... My teacher, our teacher, hadn't shown me. It's because even though he showed me, I still hadn't discovered it. Yep. I, it hadn't embodied. I haven't embodied it. it. It didn't make sense. Yes. It was cognitive and I could think it. Yes. And I could repeat it. Yes. And I could understand it. Yep. But I could not feel it. Yeah. And it's the practice that uncovers that. Yeah. So for me firsthand, that's, it's completely... The last 89 weeks has uh, completely changed my 
my personal culture and even the way I express my Kung Fu is different mm. to what it was prior to the 89 weeks. Right. Yeah. I've still got a few more weeks to go. A few more. Well, to 100 weeks. Yeah. It's not a few more. What do you mean? 89. Yeah, so 11. Yeah, it's not a few. Well, that's all right. Okay. It seems like only a few. All right, yeah. 11 weeks. Yeah. All right. Um, no, I get that as well. Same as same as you in that when I went to Master Chen's workshop in Singapore last year, um, things started to click. Like I, I, I was able to do the actions that was shown, I thought about, and I did. And now that that process hadn't been there. Like you, I, I was, I thought it. I got shown, I thought it, but then my body couldn't do it. And then through practice, I noticed in the workshop, I did it. I was like, kind of looking around. Did anyone see that? Yeah, because <laughs> it kind of, it happened. Um, but not through that he said it differently. He's probably says the same thing like we do in our practices. Elbow in, elbow in, elbow in, elbow in. And then eventually you go, ah, elbow in. That's what he meant. Mm. So, yeah, I totally get that. Mm. That makes sense to me. All right. Well, any last words before we wrap up the podcast for today? Ah, uh, no, no. I apart don't. from <laughs> no, apart from nothing. <laughs> the last time you said no, 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 no apart from, from no, no. I was zip it. Okay. Nothing. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in, and um, you can check out some more for real content on our YouTube and our Instagram. YouTube is for real TV. Instagram is for real official. And, um, you know, once again, once if you have any questions or wonderings by the end of the episode, send them through to our email address. We'd be happy to talk about your questions and topics at um, forreal at jingmo.com.au. F-U-R-E-E-L at G-I-N-G-M-O.com.au. Getting pretty good at that. You are. That's pretty good. Yep. But anyway, once again, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, everyone. See you.